0: What's the one thing that I've got that you haven't got your attention and thank you for it. I am your host and mentor Shannon Lynn, and welcome to It's Positively Spiritual. This is a podcast series sent to you on the daily to create awareness and educate you on how you can become empowered to thrive positively in your life by exposing you to the not so positive in your life. This is straight talk content that exposes you to your feelings, to have you walk and talk in self-awareness and in self-control, emotionally, for Jesus. If you don't know who you are, then believing Him who knows who you are will only leave you deflated and stuck in a rut. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I've been there too, so I definitely know what I'm talking about. I'm not going back to the way things were, and neither are you. Join me for an hour of power, as It's Positively Spiritual helps you to unstuck yourself the Christian way. So, if you are ready, let's get ready to rumble with Positive Spirituality. What's the one thing that I've got that you haven't got? Your attention, and thank you for it. I am your host and mentor, Shannon Lynn, and welcome to It's Positively Spiritual. This is a podcast series sent to you on the daily to create awareness and educate you on how you can become empowered to thrive positively in your life by exposing you to the not so positive in your life. This Is straight talk content that exposes you to your feelings, to have you walk and talk in self-awareness and in self-control, emotionally, for Jesus. If you don't know who you are, then believing Him who knows who you are will only leave you deflated and stuck in a rut. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I've been there too, so I definitely know what I'm talking about. I'm not going back to the way things were, and neither are you. Join me for an hour of power, as It's Positively Spiritual helps you to unstuck yourself the Christian way. So, if you are ready, let's get ready to rumble with Positive Spirituality. Ah, good day to you, my friends. Welcome to today's podcast of It's Positively Spiritual. My name is Shannon Lane, and I would like to share with you an interesting message that will help bring you in alignment with your divinity today. Let's talk about fear. Scripture has this to say about it for god has not given us a spirit of cowardice or fear but one of power and love and a sound mind second timothy chapter 1 verse 7 let's break this down the word for spirit in hebrew language is ruach and it means wind it also means the wind of man his breath his essence of character as this ruach is also god's character His spiritual essence. Now this Hebrew word comes from a parent word. Or the original word. Which means a prescribed path. Now there are other little words that come from this original parent word. And I'm not going to say them because I'm going to mess them up. Because I don't speak the language of Hebrew. But there are little words that do mean path. And traveler. So let's just tie this all together and embed you into this lesson, shall we? Think of yourself as a traveler on a path when you think of ruach or the wind, as the wind can be at your back or at your side or on your face. What does this feel like to you? What are your surroundings? Did you know that as a traveler, one can determine the path that they are on by the direction of the wind? Makes sense, doesn't it? But there's more. Let's reflect back on some other smaller Hebrew words derived from this parent word, ruach. There is also another word that means millstone. So just picture a heavy circular grinding stone with a donkey treading in an outer path as it is harnessed to the stone, grinding grain into flour in a circular direction. This poor creature is forced to walk in circles, losing its freedom for a service that he will never eat. Think of yourself milling that grain by moving the millstone, by pushing on a pole around in a circular motion for hours and hours and hours and hours. Did you know that I have just given you a creative lesson? on the spirit of fear. Fear has us grinding grain to make flour, and what we are allowed to eat of that flour is baked into bread with yeast, the yeast of sin in it. So let's just put these definitions into context with the reading of God's Word. Wind, traveler, millstone, the character of man. For God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 The spirit of fear or cowardice is like the man traveling on a path going nowhere. With wind pummeling his face, he cannot see where he's going. With the wind pushing him around, he falls off the worn path or steps off of it. Maybe he's even pushed off this path, and so he begins to wander. He wanders aimlessly, trying to find his way back to at least where he once was. Can you relate to this? Oh, I know I can. Applying the word of God to our relationships that we have with the narcissist or toxic people who are the enemy's seed, this allows us to see the direction we are moving in as we can see which spirit is leading us. A spirit of fear can only influence out of fear, thus creating fear in those whom they are trying to influence. Does it ever seem to you like you might be one step forward just to take two steps back when you are in the company or care of someone who does not have a courageous heart or they're not courageous in character? Do you find yourself feeling defeated instead of lifted up? Well, listen up because this message is for you. So let's learn. The narcissist is a walking, talking bag of bones that are full of fear and cowardice. Look at how they leave us, footing the bill for their mistakes. Look at how they duck and cover, clearing out a room and run and hide, never to be found again. Hmm. They are good at running away, aren't they? Because they can't stand up to you or anyone who would make them accountable for what they have done. They live in opposite to how things ought to be done. We are always caught off guard because we do not think like they do. We do not have a spirit of fear, but we act as we do. It's hard not to when we are around these people who are the state of being of fear. Now, we may act out in fear sometimes, but we are not fearful all of the time. A narcissist is the state of being of fear. They run from the fear that has possessed them. They have a permanent house guest in their temple. And to us, that permanent house guest would be our enemy. But because it's not in our house, we blindly accept the narcissist. This house guest of the narcissist who is our enemy. Oh, it goes by a name. Fear. There is a danger in holding the narcissist too close to our hearts. When we take them into our minds and make them a part of our lives, we do run the risk of something dangerous that always has to happen. We endure the phenomenon known as the Job experience. We feel the burn and the shame of the consequence that was meant for the narcissist. All because we became love's sacrifice, unknowingly, of course. See, the thing about Job is that he did have a blameless heart, but he loved his children so much that he took on the guilt that was meant for his children when he sacrificed animals on their behalf. He thought he was doing the right thing. He was doing it out of love. Well, he soon found out enabling someone's behavior. That's not love, and it is a stiff price to pay in the name of love. Job sacrificed an animal every year of his children's lives. And these children were adults. And Job, he had seven children. So he sacrificed seven animals on the behalf of his children every single year. They could do this for themselves, what Job did for them. Job took on the years of sin that these children participated in because he himself sacrificed the animal. And the only reason why he did not die by these sacrifices was because he was loved by God as he loved God. The people that he sacrificed for, while they still died. They were responsible and they were responsible with their lives. But they didn't love God or they didn't revere him because they didn't hold themselves accountable for the wrongs that they committed against God. The narcissist makes us the sacrificial lamb through their trickery and deceit. We take on the burden of sin for the narcissist and we bear that burden emotionally heavy. Some have even asked me if the narcissist can repent and be forgiven. Sadly, no. Confessing with your mouth means to hold in your heart the faith to know that Jesus has saved through his unconditional love and we turn from our wayward ways. But a narcissist, they do not have unconditional love for anyone, not even for themselves, so they can't turn from their wicked ways. They run from them. And that is different than turning away from them. The narcissist can never face Jesus. Because to face Jesus, one must allow themselves to be held accountable. You gotta face those wrongdoings. And you hold them accountable to the ways of love by changing your heart, changing your ways. To live in unconditional love, for your fellow man, and for yourself, and for God. The narcissist, if they ever were to face Jesus, they would be reminded of who they, of who they are. They're cold and calculating, unloving and spiritually separated eternally from God's grace. The narcissists are the cowardly ones, my friends. They are the ones who are of the spirit of fear. They are literally the chaotic wind leading us on a path that leads nowhere. As the path they walk on goes in circles. They repeat the same pattern with you that they did with someone else and they will continue to repeat those patterns that they did with someone else with you. They lead us to believe, they make good leaders, and they do for a time. But their leadership is fleeting because it is only as strong as their victim is weak. As a narcissist needs a submissive subject. We are weak, but not because we are submissive. Submissiveness is a natural quality within the paradigm of unconditional love. We do not know when to submit, and when not to submit. That's the issue. And a narcissist tricks us because if we knew who they were from the start, we would never submit to them. There's no way in hell that we would. And that is why we allow the narcissist into our lives because we are not yet strong in God's power as we are not yet in submission to God's will. We're still trying to figure things out by looking for our identity. We're still trying to work out our free will as trauma has controlled us for so long. We use our free will to fight control. And it is that need to control ourselves we then become weak as our free will leads us to a place where we unknowingly lose most of our control, our free will. So let's just dive in with some creative thinking for a moment. Imagine yourself walking on a steady path created by the king of the land. Because you walk that road, you are naturally under the king's protection. If you were robbed on that road, you could go to the king and ask for his help immediately. He would help you and protect you and give you back what was stolen from you. Now imagine that the thief comes to rob you but knows that they will get caught if they rob you on that protected path. So the thief has to come up with a plan and pretends to have your best interests at heart, and they suggest to you to walk a different path. It's okay. You can trust the thief. You assume that it is a path that is protected by the king, and so you agree, because who wouldn't have your best interests at heart? On this new path, it looks similar for a while, but then the path becomes rocky and the thief promises to help guide you through those rocks. But you are too busy navigating your way that you do not realize that the thief has gotten so close to you that they were able to slice your pockets open without you noticing. Your coins fall out into his open hands or they fall on the ground behind you where he leaves your side to go and collect what he has stolen. Now, once you are robbed of all that is precious to you, the thief makes an excuse, a quick getaway. Oh, I just realized it's well past my dinner time. You can make it back on your own now from here, can't you? He tells you to follow the path forward and it will take you somewhere safe or retrace your steps back. You have no choice but to agree. And being alone in uncharted territory leaves you uneasy. And what happens when you realize your pockets have holes in them? Oh my gosh, what do you do now? You have to earn a day's wage for food and you need a place to rest, but where do you go? This road is desolate, and so you walk, cursing the day that you ever met the narcissist. The narcissist deliberately takes us off the king's path. There is no jurisdiction on the thief's path because the thief owns what the king does not claim for himself. So on the thief's path, we are subjected to all sorts of crimes and atrocities, and the abuse is not noticed right away because it's overlooked. But over time it builds and then we are subjected to their rules. Well, we are forced to submit. As a narcissist has us bow down to them as they subject us to their might and power by force. How they do this is that they project their fear onto us. And when you walk that path of fear through forced submission long enough, you begin to embody that fear as you become a state of fear. They do to us what Judas did to Jesus. Their kiss is that handshake, the pat on the back, the empty promise, the future faking, the guiding tone of their voice, the the leadership in their teaching. They betray us because it is in their nature to do so, as the spiritual inclination within fear itself is to put to death the innocent but how could they betray us when they never loved us in the first place? They have us betray ourselves through their trickery and deception. We can't see through their lies because we don't have the filters of trust in place to help us regulate the relationship at a healthy distance. We are observing them through the lens of an uncircumcised heart instead of allowing logic to show us the truth the narcissist reveals to us by their actions. They project their fear onto us and we unknowingly oblige because we do not know that we are protected by the King of Kings. We do not know or understand the cross of Christ and that love sacrifice and so we allow ourselves to be the sacrifice for love not knowing who the narcissist truly is. Childhood trauma has us learn the ways of fear as trauma brings it out in us. The fear was meant to stay dormant through a parent's unconditional love, but that sadly didn't happen. Most of us do not have the unconditional love of the parent, let alone the Hebrew parent. Instead, when we are born, the umbilical cord is cut abruptly as we feel the hands and foreign energies of other people, strangers, surrounding us at the time of our birth, while our mother is weakened with pain medication, that she is never the first one to lay her eyes or her hands on her newborn baby. This is our first taste of fear, This, all this experience. All these people who are trying to help us come into this world, they bring fear. This is our first taste of fear. And this fear is what we carry lifelong as other people, including our parents, unknowingly reinforce that foundation of fear through rules and restrictions that shape our identity against our free will. Oh, this is deep. But let's go deeper. As this depth of insight will challenge you about why the narcissist traumatized you in the first place. They have their own personal reasons. They have their own personal vendetta. But outside of the narcissist's known reasons or these made-up reasons why we think the narcissist targets us, following this thread of fear, how it became dominant in us at our birth, reflecting on the fear that we have been forced to live with, I would like to have you consider that the narcissist was in your life for your benefit. And you're going to see this after you start healing and growing. If you're still bitter and entrenched and enmeshed in a narcissistic relationship and you're still feeling the pain then you will not understand this right away, and, th- and that's okay. The thing is, when we come out of our trauma and we begin to heal, we understand something about trauma, that we needed trauma, as we needed the narcissist to bring out our fear, to manifest it so that we could see it in ourselves, so that we could then domesticate it and hold it captive, instead of repeating the patterns of someone else using our fears against us to hold us captive and slaves to their will. You don't know what you don't know, and you can't see what you can't see. And because we are too close, we are up close and personal in our fear as we have Taking it on as if it's our own. We've embodied fear so much that it has become our best friend. And the narcissist comes along to challenge us in our fear. The narcissist comes along and says, Hey, that fear is my best friend. It's not your best friend. What the hell do you think you're doing with it? The narcissist allows us to exercise our free will by challenging us with the things that have hijacked our own free will. Did you get this? Let me just back up. See, we were all born with a duality within. Christianity calls this duality the sinful and righteous natures. They are embedded in our hearts, and they are akin to the yin and yang concepts. They are the dark and the light forces within us. And together they bring balance to life and all things, including our character In us, we have the spirit of fear as we also have the spirit of love. These are in opposition to one another. When we serve one, we will hate or ignore the other. Think in terms of opposites. When you close a door, you can't open it at the same time. The same is true with the dual nature within us. When we are engaged in the spirit of fear, we are not engaged in the spirit of love. When you came out of the womb, your fear was brought out of its innocent place of dormancy, of not knowing itself, and it became known to itself as it became known to you, as it made its presence known to you. You understood this by crying out in fear, and that fear was magnetized or became more powerful when you were not comforted in that fear. It was the moment that you felt safe, Fear went away. It went dormant as love made its presence known to you. Jesus puts an end to the spirit of fear within us, but we have to be willingly to accept this free offer. Most of us accept love out of fear. We fear going back to our problems, our old patterns that bring about troubles and pain. And so we hang on to Jesus and we accept his ways and his love out of fear because we fear Fear. Turning to Jesus this way is not ideal, as our free will is still being hijacked in fear to force us into making a decision that we didn't consciously make. We're still making a choice out of fear because we fear the fearful outcome if that choice isn't made. Now I am convinced more than ever that God uses the narcissist for our benefit. So that we eventually see what we are doing to ourselves as we continue to allow trauma to lead us. The narcissist is the state of being of fear. They are running from themselves in fear. Just as we run to Jesus in fear, they run away from themselves and Jesus in fear. And because they run away from Jesus, they run from us. The narcissist while running makes a pit stop along the way by trauma dumping onto us. But it's not really trauma dumping per se because the narcissist doesn't talk much about their past now, do they? Instead, when they feel like crap, which is all the time, they force their feelings onto us by creating a fight or some sort of conflict. They force us to feel devalued and dismissed in some way. They forcibly dump their feelings onto us through projection. They project onto us their fearful ways. We who are weak in our free will, we take on the spiritual defects that belong to the narcissist, like Job. And we take on their spirit of fear. Even when they are not around, we allow their fear to hang around because when we are saddled with fear... Our mind is constantly giving us the ass-whooping that we are used to getting from the narcissist. What we are going through is symptoms of abuse, yes, but it is their symptoms of abuse. We take this on as if it's our own, and it is because we experience it, but because our free will has us deal with the trauma like it is our own, like it belongs to us. Our free will says, this is yours, so deal with it. So we go searching on a new path. Some of us make our own paths, and we go searching for answers, for healing. From a psychological perspective, self-help therapies, oh, they do work. They do. As they help you understand yourself and who you are in this God-forsaken world. Using talk therapy and other modalities on their own, well, they will work. But they don't lead you on a path to freedom. These modalities will just keep you spinning your wheels if this is all you exclusively use. Their methods of healing tell us that we don't need to get ourselves on the right path, which is Jesus, because the right path is whatever you think it is. This keeps us from ourselves as this keeps us also away from Jesus. It is easy to get trapped into the cosmic bubble of searching for answers outside of yourself. I know I've done this as self-help for me has been challenging it's been wonderful. It's been freeing, but it also has been addicting. See, when we learn, we're, we become a sponge and we learn and we soak up all that teaching and all that knowledge and we take steps towards our healing. But when something new comes along, we gravitate to that. As we are barely getting towards the goal, that finish line, because we have made it all about ourselves. And we forgot something about this life that no one teaches us, except for the Bible, that this life is all about Jesus. This life is not about us singularly. Fear is what keeps us in the mindset of separation, that we've got to be better than everybody else. We've got to outdo Everyone else, because it is all about us, me, 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 I, I, I. And living in the state is what causes our individuation, yes, but it also keeps us separated from others spiritually. This life is about you and me, but collectively speaking, as a divine unit living in unity and harmony for one another, under our King Jesus, for Him, as we become one with Him, as we become one with each other, following His precepts. This is divinity. This may not make sense to you, but the narcissist is a being that lives in fear. Did I say that enough for you to grasp that concept? Fear is the opposite of love. Fear is where darkness resides. Love is where light can be found. And living in love allows us to live like those who live in heaven. We let our lights shine. In heaven, everyone is as if they are one because all identify their beings through Jesus. He is who brings us back to unity. Think of the Big Bang Theory for a moment, but think of it in reverse. Just play that out in your mind for a minute. From one huge mass, something grew to the point that it could no longer contain itself within that mass any longer. The expansion of that mass growing caused pressure within, and that pressure caused an explosion. (sighs) I'm personally seeing the fall in man in all of this, that the pressure of the enemy building his army, and the explosion is as beings were ousted out of heaven. Okay, let's just go back to the original thought. Everyone is a piece of the whole, the original mass. The whole mass exploded into pieces, fracturing itself, and each piece carries with it the essence of the whole. Now, do you notice something? Through Jesus, we are drawn back to our truth, who is the truth. We are drawn back to him. When we're outside of this Mass, when we're just living our day-to-day lives, working out an existence, not paying attention to any other pieces of Mass that are around us or outside of ourselves, well. We can't see what is actually happening. Through Jesus, we are being drawn back to becoming one with the whole. We're not just part of the whole anymore when we are drawn back into unity. We are the whole. Because without us, the the wholeness, that mass is incomplete. The separation from that divine unity is felt the further we are from Jesus. Now we can wander, we have the free will to do so, but we are always drawn back to the state of oneness because our Father has created us to be part of His likeness. We cannot be separate from our true calling, being one with Jesus. It only appears like we are a singular being. But because we are made, and we lived, and we existed in this mass, this big giant mass before it exploded, we all existed, we all coexisted as one. And so being separated from the one in distance, this is cre- this is what creates an identity shift. This is what causes us to assume that we are separate from God our Father and separate from one another. But you cannot leave God because God cannot leave you. This mass that you were created in and for and through, and this mass cannot leave you. It is a part of your genetic spiritual makeup. And it is the distance that you have with all these other pieces of the shattered mass, you only assume that you are left on your own. Now, the narcissist is not a part of the oneness of God, but they do exist to create a balance. Because in life, You cannot see light if you cannot see dark, and you can't see dark if you cannot see the light. Ultimately, the narcissist is designed to help you see this. Now, you can live in bitterness and hate for the narcissist, or you can choose to take the high road using your free will to love them regardless of what they have done. In loving them, you love yourself because we all have this one thing in common with each other and the narcissist, fear. You accept people as they are and love them anyway, no matter what, without judgment. Loving someone does not mean taking their ill treatment of you. Stay away from people you cannot trust. Accept who they are, dust your shoes, and move on with your life with no offense taken. In doing this, you learn unconditional love, and in loving yourself, you manifest the love of God as truth in your life, which puts an end to fear in a way you could not do on your own. So here's some personal insight that leads you to deeper knowledge about this. After learning and growing, focusing on myself, I did feel stuck. I felt like I was healing from the abuse. But I didn't feel free because I didn't realize that I was still making me my focus in all I was doing. Because I was still rooted in fear. I was so focused in drawing out my fear and dissipating it myself that I forgot how to live, love, life out loud. I became rigid in my thinking. I became fearful of getting caught in that narcissistic snare again. And so I isolated myself from myself allowing only the one side of myself to shine fear so I could then expose it and put an end to its ruling ways in my life for good. Well, the more I wanted to know myself through the lens of fear, the further I was from myself. That's because I thought my identity was something that I had to go search for outside of myself. mm That's not so, my friends. That's the lie of fear. My identity is rooted in Christ. It always has been, and yours is too. I didn't realize this. This is an innate nature of our very beings. I thought I had to realize my identity by making the choice to be God's daughter. To be his daughter, I had to be the one to uproot the fear in me. I tried to take all the responsibility on myself and I had forgotten. I didn't put this fear in me in the first place. I didn't realize that most of my fear is from the trauma of other people, as this is probably where your fear comes from too. I had forgotten that we are nothing without Jesus, but I was believing that I will become somebody without this fear, as I will then be made fully known to Jesus. And then I will be a full-blooded, born-again Christian. Oh, talk about striving in my works, lest I boast. Wowza! What a mind trip! We are nothing without Jesus, as we are nothing without the breath of life. And the breath of life is what makes us one with God. Oh my gosh, God forgive me for stepping outside of you. But, friends, I can really understand what the narcissist now is going through. I don't hate them for being who they are. I don't hate them for doing what they did to me in my past. And I no longer hate myself for being someone who I'm not, who they tried to make me into. See, I think our struggle in all of this, at least it has been for me, Finding who I am and knowing to whom I belong has been a search my whole life. It's been a theme in my personal childhood trauma. Now most of us have mommy and daddy issues. We fear being abandoned and rejected and unworthy. And this is what psychologists teach us, that our fear in life comes from fearing being abandoned and rejected and unworthy. But it isn't the fear of these things that cause us to fear. We already have the fear of abandonment, rejection, and unworthiness. We felt the abandonment and rejection at the time of our birth when all these strangers were poking and prodding us, cleaning us off, cutting our umbilical cords off. I mean, we we were rooted in this abandonment, and we felt rejected. We were in a safe place in our mother's wombs, and all of a sudden, ooh, there we are, we're in this world, and our safe place, this water environment, is now gone. So again, it isn't the fear of being rejected and abandoned and feeling unworthy because we felt all these things at the time we were born. And we continue to feel these in our family relationships. So the reason why we continue to fear is that we fear the continued abandonment We fear the continued rejection, and we fear the continued feelings of unworthiness, and we try to get that back, and we try to feel loved in an environment that is only going to continue to lead us to feel rejected, abandoned, and unworthy. That environment is through the fear from the narcissist. So in order to get over this fear of abandonment and rejection, we lose ourselves in the narcissist, not realizing that we're lost to fear the minute that we're born. Because we have to experience the love that has grown cold in order to really, really, really appreciate the balance of life that loving Jesus brings. We are on a quest to find ourselves after we come out of the narcissistic relationship. As we look for answers, I did this, but not asking God for my identity back. I instead searched for myself, for my own identity, trying to find out who I was. And guess what? I couldn't find her. I couldn't find her on the outside of myself, and I could not find her on the inside of myself. I could not find who I was looking for. I only found the the me who was rooted in fear. It was when I turned back to Jesus did I find who I was looking for. I found him. And I found me. I discovered that I am a reflection of him when I turn to his word. And he is a reflection of me showing me my identity and my worth and my value. We can find peace in His grace. We can feel whole and complete when we read His word. I truly feel comforted when I'm in His presence. I know my identity is in Him, and I know your identity is in Him too. And when you realize this, you then can use your own free will to let go of fear and run to Jesus. In using my free will choice to choose Jesus without fearing Jesus, I realize that it is my free will choice that is used not to give me an identity, but to bring me back to Jesus. I did not choose Jesus. You did not choose Jesus. None of us choose Jesus. He chooses us. Our free will is used to bring us back to him. So here's another metaphor as I'd like to bring a quick understanding to all of this. Now God told Abraham that his descendants would be immeasurable like the grains of the sand. Think of this as we go back to the Big Bang Theory. Not of how our universe was formed, but how we were formed in spiritual likeness to our Creator. Jesus is our rock. And what if time began with Jesus as being the rock, and through the power of God's voice, the rock exploded into tiny minuscule grains of rock that are like the grains of sand that are around the sea? Now, again, this is just a metaphor. These grains of sand represent the children of Abraham. As we are born of the promise, and Jesus is calling those grains of sand back home to create a rock of unity. The Rock of Gibraltar comes to mind. Are we ready? We are made ready on our travel back to him. We are not made ready on our travels away from him. Now this lesson is for all of us. The Bible teachings that have been omitted have hidden our identity from us. We have an understanding, but many of us who have been traumatized do not really know or understand. I was one of those people who did not understand. I held bitterness in my heart for my parents, for myself, and for every other narcissist out there. You all have helped me to understand. Without this channel on YouTube or this podcast platform, I would not be here today as we all have helped one another. Your help has not been small in effort. Your help has been monumental, and I really, really do appreciate all of you for helping me. I personally have been searching my entire life for a place of belonging. I have struggled all my life to find my worth and to come to the conclusion today with all of you that the fight is over, and the fight was over before it had even begun, before we even knew there was a fight, this fight was over. But the reason why we fight is to realize that there is no fight, and if there is no fight, then there's no struggle. And that is what you give to fear. Stop struggling against it. We can truly rest in Jesus as we come to him weary from this fight. He says this, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest, right? In Jesus we are nurtured. We so need that. We have all been searching for our love in this world. And we've come up empty handed. What we have been searching for all of long is unity in the one, and we can find it in unconditional love, who is Jesus. Doesn't this knowing in this podcast just make fear seem so insignificant? It's pointless. So here's something about fear that you may not know. Fear shows up in the body. This is trauma imprinting. Fear roots itself in the flesh. All sorts of diseases and illnesses are from trauma, including childhood trauma. Did you know when fear is expressed in the body, it controls the mind? Fear produces feelings that are felt in specific areas of your body, and when you feel those feelings, your mind kicks in gear and puts itself into the fight-or-flight risk-management mode. Your body hangs on to trauma to keep it alive. Your thoughts drive you to think of worst-case scenarios, and this produces chemical reactions in your brain to which your brain sends those reactions to various parts of your body, and this produces a physical and spiritual feedback loop which creates your state of being, which then creates your state of living. The narcissist, well, they had one job and they do it well. They give us their spirit of fear or cowardice enhancing the spirit of fear that is dominant in us already so that we do not step into our power who is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Do not think that you can't be possessed by fear. We have been and we can be delivered from it through unconditional love. Now maybe the depth of insight in this podcast has delivered you from fear already. I know it has me. We can't save ourselves. Well, maybe some can. But you, you who hold the faith in Jesus, you are held at a higher responsibility to let go of the spirit of fear and adopt a new way of thinking by becoming a new state of being. This is your true purpose. It can't be undone. So count yourself blessed that you were the narcissist target because the trauma will lead you into the path that creates in you the born-again experience. The born-again experience is the character change that we all must make to adopt the character of Christ. Now, Jesus died for a deeper reason than just covering our sins with his blood. There is so much depth to the cross of Christ. And I speak about this in my podcast called The Hidden Truth About Love. As I also share with you the hidden messages of the meaning of the cross in my book called A Study in His Word. This is a PDF downloadable book you can read as a Bible study Accompaniment to the book of Matthew. In this book, I've made it a workbook as I've given you insight and questions for you to answer. I take you on a spiritual journey that exposes the Roman way of life compared to the righteous way of life Jesus called his disciples into. His blood sacrificed exposed the enemy to reveal how evil nations have hijacked love through the blood of God to make us a living curse, preventing us from living our inheritance loud and proud on earth. We are the remnant, my friends, and our time is now to rise up in song and in spirit. Now, if you don't want to download this book, you also have the choice of signing up for a monthly Bible study membership. In this monthly digest, you have the book to download and read as you also have available extra insight of this Bible study commentary right from the pages of this book. You also have six 30-page newsletters for you to read and share with your friends as you also have access to weekly video Bible studies in person or watch the record if you cannot make it to our live sessions. You can check out the links in the description to get a hold of your copy or your membership study group today. I truly look forward to meeting you there, my brothers and sisters, because we are the soul tribe. We are the citizens of heaven. So let not the narcissist be your distraction from finding your inheritance of eternal life. Root yourself in God's word. Let the narcissist's abuse teach you about your own humanity so you can heal as you then are able to step into your divinity. So for those of you whom this podcast has yet to give you clarity in that aha moment, let's just take a step back and let me share this with you in closing. I get it. You have gone through the narcissistic trauma. You've gone through the cognitive dissonance, the trauma bonding, and you are now struggling through your attachment disorders. You now know through this podcast, you know something more about fear than what you did before you started listening. You now have firsthand experience of narcissism as you have firsthand experience of experiencing their fear. So you can relate to the narcissist a little bit better as you can now relate to yourself and your pain and your trauma more. We have unknowingly been spiritually bonded through our natural-born tendencies of fear. We have an attachment to fear that causes us to run from the light of God, which is love, which causes us to run from the light inside of us, which is love, Because the narcissist brings out our fears in us that were at one time dormant in us. To live and love Jesus fully and completely, we got to get out every bit of fear in us. The narcissist created a trauma bond which made fear alive. And it is through their projection of fear into our minds do we then have to work that out with fear and trembling as fear causes us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Because coming to God in fear is not a free will choice at all, my friends. Your love for God must be free from the fear that is inherently inside of you. You must willfully decide to live for Jesus because you want to, not because you're fearful that he has left you or fearful that you're not going to go to heaven. When you want to, you will see something more profound. That your identity has never been lost. Fear has lied to you and convinced you that your identity in Jesus has been lost and it can be lost. But it is always, always, always found through Jesus because you and he are one. You just need to lay down your sin nature to see that for yourself. The struggle here, my friends, in fear is that there is no struggle. It's been all in your mind as this is a battle between your flesh and your soul. The flesh uses memory to convince you that you are enduring historical trauma in real time by forcing you to feel in your body that fear you are feeling in your heart and soul and mind. And this keeps you bound in fear so that you cannot live in your soul's purpose. Oh, this is deep and perhaps we will continue this topic for another time because that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please check out the links in the description of this podcast as your support helps to keep content like this from Positively Spiritual available to you for free. To make a prayerful donation, please send donations through PayPal as my email for PayPal is shannongilmore at protonmail.com. Thank you for listening. Be blessed. one thing that I've got that you haven't got your attention, and thank you for it. I am your host and mentor, Shannon Lin, and welcome to It's Positively Spiritual. This is a podcast series sent to you on the daily to create awareness and educate you on how you can become empowered to thrive positively in your life by exposing you to the not-so-positive in your life. This is straight talk content that exposes you to your feelings, to have you walk and talk in self-awareness and in self-control, emotionally, for Jesus. If you don't know who you are, then believing Him who knows who you are will only leave you deflated and stuck in a rut. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I've been there too, so I definitely know what I'm talking about. I'm not going back to the way things were and neither are you. Join me for an hour of power as It's Positively Spiritual helps you to unstuck yourself the Christian way. So if you are ready, let's get ready to rumble with Positive Spirituality.